good morning and or good night, good afternoon, depending on where you're looking or where you are watching or listening to us. And thank you so much for being here. We have a very special guest today and I am sure we'll have a lot of fun. Thank you for being part of this series, Andrea, and for being here uh, in this podcast. We have a series that is talking with many, many super brilliant, smart, and successful women in STEM. And uh, it's been really, really nice to talk to all of you guys and learn about your successes and then have all that inspiration for anyone else that wants it. Um, so Andrea, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for inviting me. What a pleasure to be here and being part of the, you know, the women you have selected to, to, to interview in your podcast. Uh, and it's, it's an honor and, and I'm humble for it. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. That's so nice. Well, without further ado, we have a lot to cover. So, <laughs> uh, let me introduce Andrea. So Andrea Sanchez source is enthusiastic about the long-term performance and integrity of materials exposed to aggressive environments at the macro and micro level. She has experience in various industry sectors, such as transportation, oil and gas, and tech. Andrea received her PhD in civil engineering with con concentration in materials from the University of South Florida. And she holds a BS in chemical engineering from Universidad Rafael Urdaneta in Venezuela. She is currently a semiconductor, listen to this, this is very interesting, semiconductor packing quality and reliability engineer at Solidine. I hope I'm pronouncing it correct. You said it correct. Yeah. <laughs> okay. A leading global provider for innovative NAND flash memory solutions, where she is responsible for leading the NAND package level reliability qualification from concept to high volume manufacturing. Andrea is proud SHPE, Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers, lifetime member and co-founder of the Latinas group of the SHPE. And it's called Shepitinas. I pronounce. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> She's also the co-author of the recently published Corrosion Management for a Sustainable Future, published by AMPP, Association of Materials Protection and Performers. That's the former NACE. Andrea resides in Northern Carolina with her husband, Jake, and their one-year-old daughter. <laughs> Andrea enjoys riding bikes, reading, and traveling. Thank you so much for being here, Andrea. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for having me. And in Northern California. Northern Yesterday I spoke with someone that is in North Carolina and it's stuck <laughs> in my mind. And fun yeah. enough, this morning I had a meeting with someone called Carolina. So uh, Carolina arrived uh, in my head. Sorry about it. My bro. <laughs> okay. So tell us, how did you end up in this path of STEM? Yes, so um, cool. I would say it's it's an aggregate of, of multiple things, right? I, I did not get here alone. No one does, right? Uh, but I think um, uh, I, I can think of three things. One is uh, having a, a strong 
foundation in education uh, in my family, uh, exposure and, and role models. So by an, a, a strong foundation in education is just that both of my parents are educators. So education was a really big deal uh, growing up. And my dad was more inclined on the science side of things. My mom was more on the humanity side of things. So I think that uh, that really gave me a strong foundation in my early years to uh, to have an interest in learning, in being curious, and being a good student overall. Um, on the second side, exposure. Uh, my my dad, he's a retired professor, a, a chemical engineer. So um, I remember going with him to to the lab, and you know, just probably not understanding the technical discussion he was having with his peers, but the fact of being there and hearing fancy words. Uh, but, but I also remember, you know, looking at the lab equipment, even if there was a beaker in, in graduate cylinders and, and just being exposed spo- to that. Imagination kicks in, right? So then you start visualizing yourself as an adult and say, oh, this is this, this looks cool, right? I want to be part of, uh, I want to be a scientist and discover and <laughs> change the world for good. <laughs> um, and, then, and then role models. Um, I am the youngest of, of three sisters, so and and I have eight to ten years uh, age difference with them. So by the time I was seven years old or so, or so um, there were already conversations about college happening in family discussions, and um, so um, probably by the time I was already entering my teenager years, my sisters. We're both graduating from college and, you know, when you're a teenager, you, you seek for independence, right? And, and I, and I think that really gave me the motivation to say, I, I want to be like that, right? I, well, first of all, I, I'm biased because I love my sisters. They're my best friends <laughs> and they're wonderful, <laughs> but just seeing how, seeing them in their early career and, and that independence and that knowledge really, really just set me to say, okay, I, I definitely want to go to college. Now, why STEM? Uh, I'm sure I was highly influenced by my dad <laughs> and, and probably like my older sister because they, they both happened to be uh, chemical engineers. But, but I think from, from early on, I, I, I think engineering was my calling. Um, I think I, I was okay at math. I really like physics and, and chemistry when I first took those courses. Um, now are engineers born or made? That's a chicken or the egg question. <laughs> I will never know, but, uh, I would say that's what set me up to, to the path of STEM. And, and I feel very fortunate for, for having that family support throughout the years. That's fantastic. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> and now it's like you were talking and I am remembering the four last panelists and they all have said the same thing they were they were raised in families where education was important and they had people along their side from a very young age mm-hmm. that pushed them and then told them like this is possible you can do anything like go in this way and then just having the opportunity to see things and 
and exposed, like you said, probably they don't understand, but they are exposed to that environment and that in itself, it is already a big gift. Yes. So yes, it is. Exactly. It is. Exposure really is so important. And and that's one of the ways to, to change, right? Uh, to get more people into STEM, uh, providing that access and support. Yeah, the, the other night there was a, another webinar and then they showed uh, women in STEM in different areas of the world. One happened to be Canada and the other happened to be uh, Emirates. And yeah. the, the common theme was exactly that, that if you have a model, like no one can follow a path that they don't see, uh, they, they cannot model someone. So right. if they can model any, like someone then it is possible so it is it is very important so really good it's very interesting to find all those we come from so many different spectrums and then mm -hmm. at the same time so many commonalities it is very fascinating <laughs> perfect so tell me like we're working with big things right big pipes big shovel big big but you seem to be working in so in a smaller scale. So I'm very curious about like, how is and like a day to day look to you? Like, what do you do in, in all those, uh, micro things? Yeah. So, so yeah, so to provide uh, a bit of background, like, like you mentioned in my introduction, I work for uh, Solidime. It's a, uh, it's a data storage solution company. I, I think that maybe, um, what I said in the intro might have been a mouthful, but it's a data storage solution company. and. And you probably, so, uh, and our main product is solid state drives. Now I know some listeners may be very tech savvy and are very well, have a very well knowledge of what a story, uh, solid state drive is. But for those who don't, um, I think the best way to, the best analogy is that you probably have had a hard disk drive, right? That you've used in the past to. Uh, save any data for a computer to back up your computer or your cloud. So, and, um, the hard disk drive, it's, it's already a, an old technology. The latest technology in data storage is solid state drive. And these are, uh, integrated circuits, uh, that store data persistently. So before the hard disk drives were more of like a, a mechanical device, this now the solid state drives, uh, just operate uh, with, with integrated circuits, right. That are made of transistors. So I specifically work with the quality and reliability of this integrated circuit assemblies that are also known as semiconductor or integrated circuit packaging. So what it is, is that, uh, this, uh, integrated circuits or chips, which I'm sure many people are familiar because chips, it's a big uh, word right now going on. <laughs> Um, the, the chips, uh, in a package is, um, uh, it's, uh, it's encapsulated in an epoxy and it has electrical uh, connection underneath. Uh, so then the, the packaging has two purposes, one to provide the electrical connection from the chip to the printed circuit board. So where eventually will, uh, will be the solid state drive. And then two, the packaging also offers um, environmental protection. So against any mechanical, uh, chemical damage or light induced damage. Now, uh, now I, 
now this this package is what it's interesting is that they're made out of metals ceramics fibers polymers so it's all these different types of materials all bundled up together and uh during the during the service life right are are exposed to a high and low temperature fluctuations uh they're exposed to high humidity and because they're usually turned on for, for its operation there is some uh a voltage bias uh in them so i think with this keywords you probably know where i'm leaning to <laughs> um so there is a high risk of uh, of corrosion or mechanical damage in, in, in these packages. But in addition to that, because of all the different materials that I that I mentioned, there's um there's a key material property, which is the coefficient of thermal expansion. That it's key for the reliability of this package. So the coefficient of thermal expansion, you know, it indicates how much a material expands up, upon heating. So all of these metal fiber ceramics have different coefficient of thermal expansion. So if there is um, a severe mismatch, right, like we call shear stress, for example, that could lead to uh, to a failure, uh, and then the device becomes non-operational. So my goal as a packaging and quality and reliability engineer is to ensure that one to ensure that all of these materials interact in harmony uh within the package and two uh i also evaluate the assembly process because we may select the best materials but sometimes it may not be feasible during the manufacturing either because the technology is not there or it's very expensive so i need to ensure that when this is all manufactured uh it um it will the device will perform its intended function for the specific time and under uh, specific uh, operating and environmental conditions. So that's, uh, I think that uh, that's my work in a nutshell. <laughs> I hope I was, uh, I, I didn't lose you. <laughs> no, I, it was like a really great description. I was picturing everything in my mind, like making the, the mental pictures of, you know, the little <laughs> elements and the materials being together. So very nice. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> you, you sure know how to you know, vulgarize things so people can understand and follow the, the trends. So it's really nice. Uh, Very interesting to have all those materials working together. Um, normally we'll, as, as a corrosion or integrity, we like, to, we, we work mostly with metals mm -hmm. or, but, but it's uh, sometimes like non, non metals, like an F FRP or something like that, but it's rare that we can have the opportunity to have all the materials, the possible sources, uh, within one product. So it, it, it is incredible. I, I'm amazed, honestly, like how far we have gone, uh, with, with, the with the semiconductor technology. It's, it's very impressive. Wow. It is. So it seems like it has evolved very quickly in the late, the lights. I don't know how, what will you say in the last 10 years, five years? Um. I mean, it, I think it has, it has, um, evolved along with the, you know, what they call it more slow and the, the number of transistors that, that you can put, uh, in a specific area, uh, a, of a chip. I think it, it just has been caught up with, with, uh, 
with the transistor's uh, evolution as well. Um, I would say, yeah, from I would say I'm, I'm new, relatively new to this field, but from what I've read and interacted with other colleagues, I would say maybe uh, from the 1990s, it has really kicked off. Hmm. Um, That's very interesting. It sounds amazing. Thank you for sharing. Yes. So you have been working in many sectors, right? In oil and gas and tech now. And <laughs> so you have seen the scale in, in different areas, different sectors, different uh, companies. Okay. Is there any one thing that is common for this corrosion theme <laughs> that we, we so like to talk about? Is that something that is, that you can see it's repetitive it can be good or bad and doesn't have to be one or the other, but is there any common theme that repeats? Yeah. So, right. In the, in the three fields that I work on in infrastructure and with my PhD and in, in, in modeling, uh, reinforced concrete, then moving to oil and gas and, and now tech. Oh, okay. Like you said it, all of them, the, what is prevalent is the corrosion is there. But I would say that one thing that I've seen in all of them is that um, we tend to follow a lot of uh, prescriptive stress test-based um, evaluation. Uh, I, I see that a lot in, in the three of them, very prescriptive, like, and it's not performance-based. So it's almost as if, as if the assessment um, of of this materials, uh, we're still using what, what was used, you know, three decades ago or so it hasn't caught up with today's technology and today's advanced materials that we have. And I would say this from, from concrete, because concrete mixtures are today's high concrete mixtures are very different from 30 years ago. Same thing with the selection of materials and in, in steel alloys for pipeline and then same to the selection of materials that we have for semiconductor packaging. So it is interesting that we still use this three, this three decade old, uh, stress test base, uh, rather than cutting up with, with performance space. And, and what I mean is that, um, it's, it's almost feels like, a it's a check mark. Okay. It passed this pre prescriptive test, then it's good. Uh, but I don't know. I wonder, you know, sometimes if we are over designing, uh, or or under this idea, <laughs> never know, hopefully not. Um, so, and, and, and with those prescriptive uh, stress test base that, that I mentioned, along comes with predictive modeling. Obviously there's advanced modeling today, but I would say that when you act, I mean, there, I feel there's more advanced modeling and obviously in investigation centers and universities, but I think that in the field, we're still using 30 year old plus approximations that, that again, they haven't caught up. So I find that very interesting. It's almost like in the 1970s and 1980s was the golden era for, uh, empirical approximation for, um, lifetime prediction of these materials. And it ended there. <laughs> I, I don't know, but time stopped, time stopped. So. And, and again, I mean, there, there is needs of standards that needs to be followed for, for safety purposes. 
but yeah, it's just not my change there. Interesting. I have never thought about it, but it is, uh, yeah, it is the, the oldest standards. So what we are testing uh, upon, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it, it's still, uh, back in the day, we'll say. Mm-hmm. So a lot of rule of thumbs, uh, approximations, which I think they tend to be more on the conservative side. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you have no certainty, then you have to make some room for safety yeah, for error, when we're assuming, you know, with Tom. So mm-hmm. interesting. Well, thank you for bringing that, uh, subject to, uh, normally we don't think about those, those things. So it's very nice. Perfect. So. I also know you've been super active on sustainability and along, along Chris and I'll talk about Chris when we close, uh, today, uh, because this interview is happening because of Chris and I, I really have to give a, a big shout out and I wanted it at the end, but in that, in that, uh, work that you have done in sustainability and the book and all that, tell us a, tell us a bit about that. Yeah. So, so that's been more of a, at this point, it's more of a side hobby. That, that's what it was, I would say a low one <laughs> because the idea probably started around 2015 or 2016 when Chris Taylor and I, uh, happened to be working together. Uh, for the same company, uh, DNB, and uh, we were both in the strategic research and innovation group. So at that time, uh, there was a push to see what are going to be the the new technologies in ten to twenty years ahead that DNB can start, you know, playing a, a role either in in the industry, right? That it can look ahead and and start um, preparing for or any, any major change that may come in. So, um, during, during that time, you know, in, the in the mid 2010s, uh, that's when the Paris, uh, agreement happened. And with that came along the United Nations, uh, sustainable development goals. And so it was interesting to see that there was a lot of publications on climate change, on green material, circular economy, uh, but there wasn't much emphasis on long-term performance. Like it seems that it was okay. That these are kind of like green materials that are green today, kind of like low carbon for today. Um, but how do, but there was not much on long-term performance. So, um, during that time as well, uh, a AMP or formerly known as, as NACE, uh, released a impact study which was a groundbreaking study presenting the importance of corrosion management and its impact to society, environment, and the economy. So those three keywords, right, that I just mentioned are the main pillars for sustainable development. So what that meant for us, that's when it clicked for Chris and I is that corrosion engineers have already been playing a tremendous role in sustainability. It just hasn't. It's just had not been explicit that we were doing this work, right? So the the purpose of this book was to link the role of the corrosion engineer into sustainability, and uh, and introduce. So the book was basically the first part was introducing basic sustainability concepts, like I mentioned before, um, 
circular economy, and and then showcase how corrosion engineers are uh, having are partaking in in a sustainable future. And but the main what the main goal is that this book would serve as a conversation start and see where it takes us. Because unfortunately, the word sustainability sometimes can be associated as a as a dirty word in the oil and gas field, for example, right? So the idea was to say, hey guys, like we, we've already been doing this and we're not greenwashing, but we are doing something for, for a sustainable future. Like it, it is aligned to to sustainable development goals. So that's the purpose. Start the conversation, see where it goes. That sounds amazing. It is. I think we have a lot um, accomplished in just uh, as a corrosion and integrity management. If we do it correctly, Mm -hmm. we have already a lot of those check marks and there is a little bit just of the gap to be closed. And it is exactly the same. Now that you mentioned Chris, I work with Chris in the in the sustainability uh, when we first start talking with Sandy and mm-hmm. and Chris about sustainability, we need a standard. We need a guide because everyone wants to. Everyone says it's easier for other professionals, or is it? Mm-hmm. But we don't have a lot of incidents of that because we are. Just cor- like corruption integrity, like it doesn't have to like we. Like, what is it? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people didn't think we have a correlation, and that is when I first started uh, working with them, like six years ago. That was exactly it. It oh. was like it was. It is easier, you know. It's easier to change the cloth bag or the plastic bag by cloth bag, but then what? Right. Yeah, you keep on piling up those cloth bags and then it becomes worst (laughs) again and so it's the same concept what can we do as as corrosion and integrity management if we do it correctly and we have a lot of tools Mm -hmm. already that we can use so I'm I'm really glad that these books and these uh, conversations start to be more out there and then it, yeah. it, it is perceived in a better way. So it was certainly, you guys were one of the pioneers on starting the discussion. So yeah, mission accomplished because a lot has been discussed after that uh, publication came out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's great to hear. And, and also I, I missed to say that, you know, Chris and I are the co co uh, editors of this book. Because the book is, uh, it's an aggregate of work from more than 20 authors. So basically what Chris and I, what we did, I say mostly him, is gather the, uh, you know, we sent out the, the invitations and then people were interested. So what I'm saying with that is that it was just not a book of Chris and me. And there's more than 20 people involved in this book that are also interested in, in this topic. Um, and, and I think, and I know that. One of the questions, you know, I, I had is like, is you used to have a technical group, right, for sustainability at AMP. I'm not sure where where it stands right now, but I said, well, the goal is that 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 technical group disappears because then sustainability is being talked at all of the technical groups at AMP. 
I just said one, right? It's already parallel foundation of the organization. So I think that would be the end goal. And, and also that we need the experts, right? The corrosion experts to be involved compared to other people that, I mean, I'm not saying all of them, but could be associated with uh, being a little bit more fanatics and are not in that, in that, in a technical field and suggest that this is what we have to do is the right thing. So we need the experts to be involved in, in creating a more sustainable future. Absolutely. And then when we have that buy-in from people that understand and then they, they absolutely see the, the way of doing it and mm -hmm. the path of following it is, it, it, it becomes easier to pass on the message. Yes. So yeah, conversations are, are continuously going like the EFC, the European Federation of Corrosion, the next conference will be focused on sustainability and oh, that's great. That's great. So it is. It is a lot of opportunities. Yeah. A lot of opportunities out there. So that's very, very nice. Thank you. So now that we are talking about sustainable development goals and the UN and all that, this whole segment of the podcast talking to women, uh, in, you know, in STEM and it is meant to be for kind of raising uh, awareness, but also to see how can we do to close that gap, the gender gap. So that's sustainable development goal number five, number four, 17. But number five talks about how can we close that gap? What have we done? Like, what can we do? Again, just like sustainability. The first thing that pops into my mind, like, well, in the place I am right now today, what can I do? So, and I know you have been very active with all those things. So tell us more about that. Um, yeah. So as, as, as mentioned before in, in my introduction, I am a proud member of the Society of Hispanic Professional Engineer, also known as SHEP. So, um, since I moved to the United States for grad school, I've been heavily involved with that organization. So the the mission of the organization is to increase the number of Hispanics in STEM by providing access for development. And so the organization has multiple programs that serves to the Hispanic community. And um, so uh, I mostly worked when I was in grad school with graduate school efforts, uh, making uh, creating awareness of graduate school to undergraduate students. Uh, because as we said, right, we, we need, we need a, a role model to look up mm -hmm. into. So we, we wanted to provide this access to undergraduate students, uh, to see here are your opportunities for grad school. Here's how it's like, see if you like it, at least the exposure, right? Like it's important mm -hmm. as well. So, um, I mainly work on that, but then after graduation, uh, I, I didn't know exactly now I still wanted to be involved in the organization, but I didn't know exactly what to do. And it, it came this opportunity to, to lead, um, a, what it was called the Latina track program that it was a program at the, at the conference at the annual conference that would serve, uh, Latinas in STEM, right. To celebrate them, to empower them that they, uh, continue on this track. So, um. I, I did this with uh, a very, very two good friends of mine, uh, Jimena and Stephanie. 
So uh, at the time, this Latina program was only happening at the at, at the at the annual conference, as I said, and it was uh, a one day event, only, sponsored only by one uh, one company. Fast forward four years later, I'm very proud to say that it became a three day program, sponsored with more than fifteen companies. Last year was the highest the, the highest selling uh, the the program that sold the fastest when uh, all these different all these different programs are presenting to to all the uh, industrial partners and not only the this latina program that we call it Sheptinas serves at the annual conference now there's it has expanded to local chapter levels and also to regional conferences of the organization so it, it almost one could say has become a movement uh and it's just so beautiful to see how all these ladies, uh, mostly undergraduate students from Hispanic descent, just feel so proud to say they are Shiptinas, right? And and that's what we want. We want them to feel value, that they matter, and that they are going to make a change in, to to the country, to their community, uh, by by taking this step in STEM, and also that they will be supported because it's uh it's a challenging route, right? Uh, we know that. Uh, at this moment, the, the numbers of representation of uh, Latinas in engineering, it's quite small. I believe it's less than 3% or so, uh, at least from, remember from two years ago in the statistic, this is in the U.S. And, and we want to, and a lot has to do because maybe the path wasn't paved for many of them, right? Some had to leave either because of different circumstances, but. The point of Shiptinas is that they know they have their sisters with them and that they can rely on each other and, and feel supported and feel inspired to, to become, um, what they, uh, what they desire to be in the field of STEM. Wow. That's so empowering. It's so true <laughs> and have seen it from beginning to where it is right now. I, I bet you're super proud and uh, yeah, thank you for doing that because it is, you know, it's, it's also nice when you see other women supporting women and then Latinas supporting Latinas and yeah. it is, it is very, um, rewarding, I'll say. Very rewarding. And, and yeah, and of course, I mean. Uh, the three of us didn't do this alone. A lot came from the support that Shep, you know, trusted in us, the sponsors trusted on us. And I think that when you're, when you're passionate and you're really knowing what you do, it's, uh, the, it's just a matter of, yeah, just, just waiting and seeing that, that it will turn out good. So it was, uh, it's been a fantastic experience and, um, I am no longer active with Sheptinas. Uh, we. After four years, almost five years of, of doing this, we, the three of us decided to, to pass the baton, you know, and give the next generation, uh, an opportunity to now lead the program, right? Because I think you, you do need that, the fresh energy. And, I, and, uh, I think after five years, we said, okay, I think it's time now to, to give all of the opportunity to also, um, show that, uh, that, that we trust are we trust them right it's uh, empowering the, uh, them empowering others exactly now it's time to empower others and 
and us, we we still serve sometimes as as advisor, but but also it's almost a, a time for us to to see now what's next. Oh, that's awesome! Well, congratulations. Thank you. It is it is a lot of work. I know um, yeah. a lot of a lot of hours uh, volunteering <laughs> yeah. for a cause, but um, since you're passionate about it, uh, and it, this is the best reward that you can see the you know the fruits of that little seed that you planted years ago, uh, blooming and then beautifully presenting itself. So it's really good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. So, um, what will be your, I don't know, what will be your advice maybe, or if you want to say something to the audience that mm -hmm. is, and, and maybe here we can break the, the question in too. Mm -hmm. We can talk about specifically all the audience, anyone that is listening to us, and then mm -hmm. two women that because this is the women's section, right? So yes. segment. So let's talk about in general and then women specifically. What will you be uh, telling them? Um, yeah. So I think for the audience, um, I would say like for those who are starting a career um, or in I'm in my mid-career myself, but I would say, one, be curious. Um, be, uh, be curious. Ask why. Because you will notice that sometimes you ask why the so-called expert and they may not know. <laughs> and <laughs> so ask why. It's always good. Some, I, I, I used to kind of be intimidated of asking why because like, oh my God, I got to think that. I, I don't know this concept well, but now I've learned like, no, ask why is very important. And then third, never ever s say, this is how we have done it. This is how we have always done it. <laughs> <laughs> that is not the right reason for doing something. <laughs> there should be a technical reason behind it, right? And it's in our technical field. That's, those, I agree. I mean, I, I've seen this before and, and they are dangerous words. Is how we have always done it. I don't know. <laughs> I hate that. I hate yeah. that. It is. I hate. It's a very, very powerful word, but I, yeah. I don't like to use it very much. But that one I hate it when I go into some place and they tell me, oh, that's, we do it like that because we have always done it like that. And I'm like, right. oh, yeah, but who decided? <laughs> like, uh, it is. Right. It is absolutely necessary so yeah thank you for saying it yeah and then you're stuck in this business as usual and there's always the aim for growing and advancing but if you keep doing what you're doing uh probably not gonna change <laughs> yeah so so yeah I, I, I think that comes with being curious and, and asking why so so yeah i would say that's what i would say for for the general audience and and then for my sister seeing <laughs> They are pursuing careers as STEM. Um, I would say, you know, uh, be yourself. Be comfortable. Yes, it is true that you may be the only woman in the room. Yes, it's true that there will be some situations uh, that will be obnoxious comments, but always. Uh, make sure that uh, you're in an environment where respect is uh, 
it highly valued, right? It never, uh, yeah, never accept any 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 disrespectful um, this situation. Um, so, so yeah, be be yourself, be comfortable, um, and there will be some it, it, another thing that is true. Yes, it is uh, STEM. It is a male dominated field. Um, and there will be, I guess I'll use this word again, obnoxious men. But the good men outnumber by orders of magnitude the bad apples. I've been very fortunate to work with many men that I call myself mentors today that have looked out for me uh, in, a in a sincere way that they, they really want to um, develop my career uh, they want they want to help grow my career, and um, I I am very thankful for them because I am where I am today thanks to uh, to this man. So they are again the good men outnumber the bad apples, um, and and, uh, and yeah, just I'd say just just be comfortable and and help pave the way for other women that are coming uh, for other. For all these generations that are um, that are coming behind you, right? Um, I, I think it, it. We need to, as women, we need to do that that extra work, that extra leg of work on how can we get more more women uh, in STEM. And uh, and if you you know if if someone from college and is listening this, I would say join engineering clubs where, where you can find the support uh and also for early career there's a lot of um women-based professional careers but you know but then you also have like amp that also has its own corrosion uh, women in corrosion groups so if if you feel like you need some uh some support or see other women in stem uh, seek out right like the, the look out for this uh, seek out for 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 this uh, uh, support that that you think you may need, and and last uh, find find see if you can find good mentors. I mean, I I, I know that sometimes our mentors can be like, I want you to be my mentor, as almost like asking someone like, oh, you want to be my boyfriend? Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> well, you know, like you you don't have to call a mentor a mentor, like. It's just a uh, you know a person that 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 you think that may help you leverage your career or or whatever situation in life that that you're in. Uh, for me, that's a mentor. Um, and and that identified like for instance, like I, I could share like when I started working, I remember I attended many women um, groups when I used to work at Intel and. You know, I would see some of these presenters and I would send them an email afterwards. Hi, can we have like a one-on-one together? And, you know, what, five years late, five years later, I still have communication, you know, with, with this uh, mentor. So it's uh, seek out. You, you really have to put the work. Yeah, it's, it's very important that you mentioned that because that's the way you build your community. Exactly. Your support. Right. And again, like we have been saying this, all along with all the women I've spoken in the in the podcast, that's the theme, uh, the, the common theme. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's lonely, but it doesn't have to because exactly. there is many, many um, 
opportunities of connection and networking and support that are out there. So just put yourself out and then follow the path. And then, like I said, in, in, I think it was in the December podcast, if you ever want to, you know, discuss more, there is a lot of other older, right? <laughs> so you can uh -huh. reach out. And we'll be happy just to know to light a, a light into that path. So yeah, these kinds of spaces are meant to be exactly that, uh, lighting the, the path. Maybe it, it is already paved, but you don't have light, so you don't see really well where you're going. So at least you have a little bit of guidance or, or something, uh, something that sparks uh, a light into what you you are looking looking for exactly so, and in the mentorship mentee relationship like i i've reached out to multiple people and sometimes there's just no click right there's just no chemistry and that's fine just like friendships right like a the nature of relationship but i i assure you that if you keep trying you you will find those people that you have a click with and absolutely and that yeah. is all along your career and your life. I mean, Andrea is here because uh, I connect and then now I'm going to allow myself to thank Chris for this opportunity because we are thanking the good guys. Exactly. And then we are talking about reaching out and then we are talking about don't be afraid. So all those three things happened in alignment and that's why Andrea is here with me and with all of you guys today. <laughs> so what happened is Chris uh, listened to the podcast and um, he reached out to me and he said, oh, I, I, I see you're uh, interviewing women and I think you have to talk to Andrea. She's absolutely <laughs> wonderful and you will be amazed to have her uh, in our podcast. And I thought to myself, wow, this is the guy that everyone wants to have by them by their side. You know, that's the coworker, that's the lead, that's the manager, that's the the, the the person that empowers and he didn't have to reach out to me. He didn't have to say your name, but he did and he did it authentically. So yeah, Chris Taylor, thank you so much. Thank we you. need more of you yes. like that because it is that it is by support like this that we feel that what we are doing is important and that we feel empowered and that we say, okay, this is making a meaningful ending to whatever is the world. I'm yeah. very ambitious, right? I'm, I'm always like, I love change the world. And that's where yes. I have this. <laughs> I love it. My goals are always, and I stand by them. And I love when people come out and say, you know what, this is so cool. And they may think I'm crazy, but they still go along. And <laughs> I love it. And I super like that uh, attitude. And Chris, thank you so much. And all the all the women and men out there that think you can empower someone, this is a very little way, and it doesn't take none of your time, like three minutes to write an email, mm -hmm. and then beautiful things can blossom out of that. So. That's a way of extending the ladder. And that is, it is, I'm very, very grateful to have not only creases in my life, but also 
Andreas, and you have all these other girls that when I talk to them, like, oh, yes, of course, let's do this. This is cool, yeah. And it's like, oh my, I'm, I'm like, oh my God, is I'm not the only one crazy that tells that this is important. It is, it is really, uh, you know, making a way of showing younger people that we can do it. It all, we only have to reach out. We only have to ask. We only have to, and we may have rejections, but it might be something that is a click like this, like this, and we have super nice conversations and then we expand our knowledge and then we get connected. And that is very important. Absolutely. And thank you, Monica, for, you know, changing the world one podcast at a time. It is fantastic. <laughs> I... I, I know, well, I don't know, but I have an understanding, roughly understanding of the amount of time you have to spend, right? To prepare, to have the podcast and then any post edit. So it's, you're already very busy. And the fact that you have this fire in you is just so inspiring. So thank you for all this effort. It's, it's just absolutely beautiful. So thank you so much. Thank you, Andrea. <laughs> thank you so much. And. I think we are at the end of the, the podcast. Any other last minute or last sentence? The, oh, it's just been wonderful. Um, I, you know, if, uh, other listeners want to connect with me, they can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Andrea Sanchez Sowers. Uh, again, happy to connect and, uh, yeah, let's see where, where this takes us. Andrea, thank you so much for being here thank once again. Point. Chris, thank you for having this opportunity later. And we hope to see you guys in the next interview. Stay tuned and, you know, subscribe and all that that the YouTubers say. <laughs> so you can be, <laughs> you know, those uh, uh, where we are. And um, thank you so much. I'll see you guys. Thank you weeks. so much. Bye. <laughs>